The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, good morning and welcome to the Source of Truth podcast on this Thursday morning. And we're glad you're with us today and appreciate the wonderful privilege we have to teach the Word of God today to you. And I hope these next few minutes can be an encouragement. Uh, If you're following along in Scripture, on your tablet, your phone, whatever, we're in the uh, book of Psalm, chapter 149. So we'll do 149 today, 150 tomorrow, finishing out the week together. Then starting Monday, uh, we will start our next time in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon. As really Solomon, one of the most popular phrases he talked about, vanity is all is vanity and vexation of spirit. And really, you see, after everything that Solomon had and his wealth and all of these things, he found it empty, the world empty. And I think we can find that. But in that, he, he talks about the Lord and he talks about how that is where we find our strength. And so we hope that'll be a help. I know that book's always been an encouragement to me and I hope it will be as we go through it for the next few weeks together. But today we're going to be in Psalm chapter 149 as the psalmist is finishing up his, this book and, and there's more exhortation for the aspect of praise. And so we'll talk a little more again about the praise and what God wants from praise. But at the end of this, uh, there goes to a tad bit of warfare. And we're going to talk about how in the world could that kind of warfare apply to us today. So let's go ahead and look at Psalm 145. The Bible says, Praise ye the Lord. Sing praise unto the Lord a new song, and his praise in the congregation of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them dance, let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written, this honor have all his saints, praise ye the Lord. So he starts off the first few verses of this psalm with the aspect of praise again. So let's unpack a couple of these verses at the beginning. Praise ye the Lord, sing praise unto him a new song. Now we talked a little bit about the idea of the new song. Uh, when we get saved, there's a new song. It's a, and it's simply the idea of new. It's different than what it was. Before salvation, we viewed life, we viewed everything a certain way. Now there's our salvation. Now that we have Jesus, it's new. Uh, which, by the way, comes with its new blessings, but it's also new battles, right? Because Satan's going to fight differently. So while we're encouraged here, there are some new battles. And so we praise God with this new song, knowing that we're going to need new strength to deal with how Satan will come at us. So sing a new song and his praise in the congregation of the saints. It, it basically, in church, come, gather together, together with others, and sing praise. There's something, there's something beautiful, something powerful, and something healthy about coming in a congregation and lifting up our voice to God in praise and just hearing it and being around it. It's how God designed us and we need that. So that would be, that's what he's encouraging us to do. Continuing in verse two, let Israel rejoice in him that made them. Of course, rejoice in God. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Verse three, let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. He simply talks about the idea that we would find multiple ways in worship. You know, we, it's easy today. Today's day is unique because we have this idea of a worship service or whatever. And so we're told this is worship. Whatever happens is worship. And while hopefully the church service does include worship, 
The premise is worship does not have to be limited to what happens in a church service. Worship should take place at home. Hopefully you're praising the Lord, thanking the Lord, maybe singing praises to the Lord. You don't have to be a great singer to do it. You just have to love God and sing praise. And I'm telling you, for me, when I'm having a day where my, my mind is overwhelmed and my mind, because uh, you know, what happens is your emotions and your reactions follow your thinking. So if your thinking is bad, your mind, emotion, reaction will all follow. So if I'm having a really bad day and I can get overwhelmed because of my thinking, and a lot of times it's not even good thinking. So but you put on the kind of music that just praises God and rejoices all that God's done for me and who he is, it be, literally does purify the mind and allows you to have good thinking. Music and praise powerful in that area. Let's go on and continue to talk. In verse 4, he says, For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. He takes pleasure in his people. In this passage, obviously the children of Israel. But for us, he takes pleasure in the church, in us. Think about this. God Almighty, King of kings and Lord of lords, takes pleasure in us. I, I just don't understand that, but I'm grateful for it. Verse 5, let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. But then he says, a two-edged sword in their hands. So he, he finishes this thought of praise as we exalt God. Then he moves over to, I should be praising, but I should also have a weapon of warfare. Well, why? Of course, we know the two-edged sword talks about the aspect of one of the more powerful weapons or more useful weapons in warfare in those days. Uh, let's go on. Let's first of all look at what he says, and then we'll see the application. Verse 7, we have these things to execute judgment. Verse 7, vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all the saints. Praise ye the Lord. So what he's simply saying is there is a time for praise. And please remember, in those days, warring and conquering are part of what the children of Israel had to do. So it's just part of that day and age. If you were to take land, it was done through warfare. It's not something we understand today. So we really have a hard time looking back and understand how it all worked because we don't live in that day today. So we have to understand that seasons of life are different. But he says that I'm going to worship God, but that I must have to fight on the name of God. And we, we understand that if you've ever met a Marine, uh, someone in the military, Army, Navy, um, Air Force, I don't want to forget any of them, I probably am going to at some point, but somebody in one of our branches of the military, we don't, generally speaking, there are some that would say this, I think they're wrong, but we don't go to them and say, how dare you go to war? How dare you put on that uniform? We thank for them because they put on that uniform in the name of our country in protection of its citizens us. And I hopeful, hopefully we're just grateful for people willing to do that on our behalf. Now, having said, that's the idea. You know, they were going in the name of God, God their king, and they were fighting. And so those who blaspheme the king or try to, to eliminate basically Satan's army, eliminate Israel from it, they had to go to war. Now, so that was the warfare of the day. That is not the warfare of our day. So what do we do? Well, at that point, you have to go to the practice because it's truth that there is a level of warfare, and that's now found in Ephesians, where it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I want you to catch one interesting thing. He says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but catch this, but against principalities, against powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness. There's levels of the demonic ability, levels of def, uh, the demonic oppression that Satan strives to bring to the church. So we understand that there's a lot going on there. 
And when we look at this and we see these different levels, the key there is not to be overwhelmed by Satan, not to be overwhelmed by his armies, because he's told us in the scriptures, well, greater is he that lives in us than he that lives in the world. The Holy Spirit living in us is more powerful than Satan. We talked about Sunday night, uh, the last couple of Sunday nights, the limitation of Satan. He, he's powerful, but limited, and the Holy Spirit in us is more powerful. The key we get from this is not to feel like we can deal with Satan on our own, which we cannot, or to be afraid of Satan. What we see in this is that when there are conflicts in life, we must come to the conclusion that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So let's say that I get up and I'm really angry at so-and-so. More than likely, I'm, I'm frustrated for the wrong reason, because I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Satan is getting in there. Getting in there, it can be in your marriage. You're really mad at your wife, really mad at your husband. Probably Satan's trying to do something to split you down the middle. Your family's falling apart, Satan's trying to get in the middle. You come to church, Satan has a problem, Satan's in the middle. Satan's there. Because when, if we can get Satan out, we were able to look at our differences and they won't separate us. But Satan wants us to be separated by our differences, by our differences of views, by our, how we look, all these. That's what Satan wants. He wants us separated. See, remember, unity does not mean uniformity. I don't have to be just like somebody. We can, be, we can agree to disagree and still love each other. I know our world tells us we can't do that today, but we can. The Bible says we can. Unity is around Jesus. It's not around me or my belief. It's around Jesus, and that's what we need to focus our attention on. So let me encourage you, that while we do praise, we recognize that one of the reasons we praise an almighty God is we need his strength to fight the battle that we cannot fight on our own. And I hope you recognize you're probably feeling overwhelmed by Satan. Don't let him win. Don't let him get you. Uh, you stay closer to God. Follow the word of God and see how God can, can work miracles in situations that you feel like just might be too overwhelming. Well, thanks again for joining me this morning on this Thursday morning. And we really appreciate, I truly appreciate the privilege I have to be able to share God's word with you. I hope it's a help, hope it's an encouragement, and we just want to strive to allow the word, to teach the word of God and allow it to be the help God created it to be. Again, we thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.